0: Nothing's more disappointing when you see a guy is extremely skilled, and then when the dogs got to come out, maybe they're a little bit down. Mm-hmm. He never does, and they just cruise, or or they just give up, right? And because fighting is fighting, and people will respect you if you go out on your shield. Now, it's a double-edged sword, as you said. If you want a perfect example of that, it was my glory debut.
1: I'm Don Heatrick, and welcome to another episode of the Science of Building Champions podcast, where I chat with top-level fighters and coaches and dive into their stories to discover what makes champions. And today I have the honor to speak with Paul Bernaziak, Polish-born two-times world champion, four-times North American national champion, a full-time fighter in Thailand, a Muay Thai coach and a host of Muay Thai Guys podcast alongside Muay Thai guy Sean Fagan. It's great to speak to today, Paul.
0: Oh man, that's the most complete intro I've ever heard on a podcast. And man, it's been a little while when I was uh, fighting professionally in the states on on big shows. It was like back to back to back, and the same ten questions getting asked over and over again. And I never thought I'd miss going back on a podcast show, but uh, since I'm hosting my own. So it's actually a surprise to be excited. <laughs> I'm very excited. Oh, thank you. I
1: hope it lives up to, to your expectation there. <laughs> and I, and you say about the being a complete um, intro there, I actually felt like I had to cut that down because there's so many different things you do do that I, I felt like, well, I've got to draw a line somewhere. That'll do, that'll give us the flavor and then you can kind of fill in the blanks. But I'm keen to unpack just even just some of your experience because you've done so many different things, um, and to get up to date with you, but to start off with, as I always do on these podcasts, I'd love to know more about how your Muay Thai adventure really began. So originally hailing from Poland, um, how did you start
0: out in Muay Thai? Oh boy. Uh, you know, the, everyone has like this specific moment where they fell into it and, I guess I kind of do too, but I think it was a gradual evolution. I've always really enjoyed solo sports. When I was growing up, you know, my parents kind of put me in everything. I played football a little bit, American football. I played, I would go back to Poland and do soccer camps in the summer. So they forced me to you know, be back with my home culture every summer when I, when I was in elementary and middle school and I would play goalie there. And then when I got back home, uh, I just, At some point in middle school, I became more of, uh, I don't know, I just wanted to be solo. And I I wanted all the risk and reward to be completely based on me. And I got into skateboarding, snowboarding. When I first turned 18, I got into riding super sport bikes. So things that definitely uh, were adrenaline based, had high risk, but also the reward reward and the rush was extremely high. So I think that also, uh, that type of personality also can turn towards fighting. And Mm -hmm. I remember, Now, throwing it way back, I'm going to feel yeah. old for a second. You know Blockbuster and VHS tapes?
1: Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, I do.
0: <laughs> I don't know if you guys had it in the UK, but we, we had Blockbuster in the US, right? Yeah. Like, it, it's almost a joke now talking about it. Like, you, you feel old. And I remember Blockbuster and we had a Hollywood video as well here in the States. And I was a kid going there when... They were starting to close down, you know. DVDs were in, yeah. and people started doing a little bit of streaming and whatnot. And I remember getting this DVD on sale when they were closing down, and it was King of the Cage, and I believe it was Buzz Rutin's King oh. of the Cage, the original one. Yeah. I think that was in 1999, right? Right. So I bought it later. It was maybe like 99 cents. Uh, you know, it was before I really had any money in my pocket. Maybe my parents gave me a couple dollars for candy, and I ended up buying the King of the Cage and. <laughs> this is wild. This is so crazy. Uh, but then one of my friends ended up having backyard fights at his house. And I I was never really introduced to fighting my brother, to karate and these different martial arts. And, and, and it never really resonated with me, like wearing the pajamas and all that. Mm. So when my friend started putting these things together, it was with just friends. It was fun. <clears throat> it wasn't really like a, You know, like, I'm a badass, I'll beat your ass kind of of deal. It was literally for fun. But uh, me being the adrenaline junkie I was, we would just do, like, first blood fights in in his backyard. And (laughs) I ended up doing it for a while. And then I remember one of my friends that actually trained. He maybe had, like, a year of boxing training, and he just whooped my ass. So I went up to him afterwards, as often the story goes, and asked him, teach me, <laughs> teach me like, <laughs> how, how, how do you do that? Uh, he ended up bringing me to a garage. There was a guy that trained under a sit tong school and he, funny enough, uh, he was my coach and he ended up fighting Sean Fagan, who is one of my, <laughs> you know, good, good friends now. Yeah. And uh, I was training for six weeks in a garage. First day in uh, shark tank, second day in shark tank, third day in shark tank. <laughs> that, that's what I thought fighting was. Right and uh, just getting my ass put pretty much for six weeks, and they go, "All right, you're pretty tough, my man. You're ready." I go, "Oh, okay, that's how it is." <laughs> uh, you know, this before social media, I couldn't see like what other schools really did it as, and I had no other perception. I just thought, like, oh, "Okay, we train in a garage, we go in and we spar for an hour every day, <laughs> and learn a couple techniques." And after six weeks, I had my first fight. Um my coach fought on the same card and he ended up fight, fighting sean fagan at the time right uh transitioning from skateboarding and snowboarding i i would always film so then i started to log my journey as a fighter and that's ah. how at the time went to athlete and now what is Muay Thai multi-technician became yes. my blog and channel and youtube channel and uh everything that i did that was like entertainment based uh I was slinging DVDs in high school selling you know like like literally recording on a camcorder editing on my TV cutting the clips until I finally got a computer to do it um I started in 5th grade with with right. tapes so so then when I was in by the time I was in high school I was uh selling DVDs I would go to Staples and print things onto a DVD and end up slinging them in school like 45 minute long full clips i put together a skate team and we we had these full edits so that that was a pretty easy transition into fighting and blogging about it and 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 kind of posting the journey up which is like what everyone does now (laughs) yeah
1: it's it's the natural evolution now but did that start then with the the kind of mindset that this was to share it with other people or was it more like I'm actually recording this for my own reference to to perhaps go back to review or or what was, what was your mind behind that? Oh that's
0: a good question because I think it's uh it's a bit of both. Uh I've man you, you watch these movies and you're like man that that life becomes impossible you you're like oh man that's just a dream, you know? And me I just wanted to log my own progress and be able to watch myself back. I'm an extremely critical person when it comes to self and I feel like I learn a lot. So when I would skateboard, I would film all these things and I, and I can see what I'm doing wrong, what I'm doing right. So the same thing came to fighting. I know a lot of people have a hard time with it. They're like, "Oh, I don't want to see myself." And, you know, and it, because I get embarrassed. I think my hands are up and they're not. I'm like, "Yeah, that's the point." You know, yeah. like you get to correct the mistakes while you're in the gym. You can self-correct and really teach yourself if other people aren't doing it for you. And, you know, you can become a lot more self-reliant that way. And I, I, you know, a lot of people don't think that way, but I think sometimes if, if you are more self-reliant rather than relying on other coaches or people to tell you what to do, then, you know, you never really have to depend or blame anyone else, but yourself. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That, do you know what, that's, that's something I've, I've really noticed. I mean, I, I I think it's sort of character traits as well, isn't it? And I've always been very much the same. Like, if if someone is willing to critique me, I'm happy to take that because it's something mm. I'm doing doing wrong that I wasn't aware of. That I'd prefer to correct sooner rather than later before it gets really banked in. Yeah. And it's a hard job to to get rid of it. But I almost think back to you know, like you using video to do this. I think that's one of the best ways to do it as well. Because I mean, historically, the old martial arts gyms and everything it was a mirror wasn't it so you've got all these people doing their techniques and kind of looking at the mirrors they're doing it and it messes you (laughs) up rather than just do it don't don't be aware of any of that and just review the footage afterwards you get that honest clean look at what you're doing you're like oh hang on when i'm getting tired this happens as well and you know Mm -hmm. the difference from the start of the session to the end of the session all this sort of stuff i think video is a really really great tool for doing that Like you say, if you've got that Facial expressions
0: as well. You can see what type of reads you're giving. You can see what type of uh, physical messages that you're sending to your opponent, what you're sending to your trainer and why they maybe are taking it harder on you rather than keeping a more composed, stoic, composure and i i I see that in myself i see in other people maybe they don't watch it back because i see people over the years i'm like man like your your technique has gotten better but the composure is staying the same you're showing uh the weakness and then you're inviting the shark in yeah
1: yeah and how um unconscious that can be um i've got a really Mm -hmm. weird example here okay i've always been in training that it's poker face. If you're tired, if it hurts or whatever, I'm I'm try. even in training, I'm trying not to have the habit of showing it. Um, so people are like, well, you're looking so calm and composed and all the rest of it. Like, but inside I'm like, ah, and yeah, <laughs> and it is, it's a habit, but I've, I've found where I'm okay with that in training. And it's like, it, even if it's the strength and conditioning as well, or foam rolling and stuff like that, I'm trying not to kind of do all the gurning stuff and like this is hurting i'm kind of like that's inside get rid of that i'm trying to keep that it makes a
0: physical difference right yeah. like when, oh, when, when you yeah. relax your mind your your body also relax so you can get deeper into that uh manual release
1: yeah yeah and and it's almost if it is like your your posture or expressions kind of amplify how you're feeling as well so if you're <laughs> mm. if you're kind of like ah pain face it's like yeah you're almost more aware of the pain rather than nah, write that off it's a it's a passing moment yes. as such, but I 100%. I didn't realise <laughs> that th- th- this is where it gets a little weird. Okay, so um, when I have a, a shower or a bath and I'm I'm using shampoo or soap, I have this habit that I didn't realise I had until my wife was in the same room and pointed it out. She's saying, "Why why do you screw your face up when you're soaping your body?" So I've I've got this habit where I've I've had soap in my hair and I'm I'm I, hair, yeah, used to. <laughs> <laughs> any any soap north of the eyebrows, basically. Yeah. Now that That's one of the reasons I like you is your sensible haircut as well, Paul.
0: <laughs> oh, yes, I understand.
1: But the, the soap Powerful. must have run down into my eyes at some stage and stung my eyes. So I've got this habit of uh, soaping myself up, I screw my eyes up. And I do that regardless of where I'm soaping on my body. So I'm now aware of this. And I'm thinking it's such a habit. So anytime I'm like, I'm in the shower and I'm doing this. I'm screwing my face up, but there's no soap <laughs> up on my head. So why am I doing that? It's just a habit. And my wife pointed it out. And I'm, now I'm acutely aware of it. <laughs> but just like you were saying, kind of reviewing your footage, you can see this kind of weird stuff that you do. Like, did I, I didn't even know I did that. Yeah. <laughs> but that, it, like you say, they invite someone in. If you're doing that kind of stuff and you're giving the tell, then it
0: is actually an issue, isn't it? Oh, a hundred percent. And, that that's the most important factor is to, to be honest with yourself. I tell a lot of people to, you have to be honest, but you can't depreciate the, the value that you already hold. Meaning that I know a lot of guys are hard on themselves and it's detrimental while other guys are able to take that critique and just, uh, well, I can get be even better. You know, like I hold the value that I hold. Uh, I've been able to be, Uh, I've had success with certain things. It doesn't mean that I'm perfect, but it means that there is still room for improvement and and just because it's been shown that I need room for improvement and and I do need to improve, it it doesn't mean I'm any less valuable, right? And I feel like I've gotten in that state where I lost a few fights in a row after a really long winning streak. Uh, This happens to fighters all the time, right? Like they go for a long winning streak, they feel invincible. Uh, they feel untouchable, and that's how I felt. Uh, I was uh, it, w- it was like a just a drag race the second that I turned pro, and mm-hmm. I, after going undefeated for so long for for a number of years and seventeen fights, and then having that losing streak, it's, it's almost like I, I lost the value that I already had as I was making changes, and now I really do my best to tell others that. If you are getting into that, like don't don't devalue yourself. Like just because you you have room for improvement doesn't doesn't take away any of the things you've already worked on, you've already accomplished and were successful at, or you have talent in. Yeah, yeah.
1: And it's it's um, I always look at the fights as um, as a test and an appropriate test. So if you're if you're undefeated, it's kind of like I'm not yet getting an appropriate level of test. And it's it's once you you need to be failing every now and then to really find to what you need to change under the microscope. Then while, while it's all plain sailing, it's there isn't that critique coming back, is there? But a, a loss is like well, loads of critique here I can work with, something
0: to build on. Hundred percent. I to be honest, uh, I felt like I did it to myself. I feel like I don't know what it is about fighters. I never understood it because when I when I was coming up. I would tell myself, why Why would you do that? Why, why would you self-sabotage? And uh, people talk about that when it comes to actors and comics and anyone that sees any type of success. Like, why, why does that sabotage come? And man, that, that's a question I've asked myself many times and come to many different answers. And I don't know if it was the fact that maybe I found out that world titles aren't all that, they're shaped up to be, and 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 there's more meaning rather than having a belt around your waist. You know, my my first loss as a professional was for the Lion Fight World Title against a fighter that's still undefeated, and his his loss, his his beaten another eight guys and finished most of them. And I feel like still to date that was the hardest fight yet, and I was fresh. I had less than a year of experience, and a lot of these guys are you know true vets like 10 years plus as pros. Uh, he himself was, uh, fighting MMA and training under Mark Delagradi, doing serious Muay Thai for, um, when I was an amateur, I was, I was sparring and learning from him. Right. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I I had to really sit back and like figure out why, why I did that to myself. You know, you know, it doesn't mean like I would win the fight, but I definitely felt like I went into the fight, uh, not wanting to win the way that i always wanted to win
1: yeah that's interesting so the 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 kind of self-sabotage you're talking about there is not necessarily a a longer-term sabotage in how you're preparing for the fight but more what you did to yourself psychologically on the day
0: yeah i i always train hard and Mm. i that that is uh Something that's been embedded in me since I was a kid, since I was growing up uh, in Poland and having to immigrate to the states, and having a mother that is a perfectionist, making sure that you know, like these are opportunities you've been given, you've been blessed with. Uh, people back home in your family don't have these same opportunities. Take them, hold them, and make something of it. Otherwise, you're just you're wasting that. Like <laughs> for the people that don't have the opportunity. And I actually had a moment with a similar speech when I fought uh, for Team USA in the Worlds in 2015. Rami Ibrahim is from Pennsylvania, is a big uh, Muay Thai personality on the East Coast. Uh, He has a ton of great fighters. And I remember a number of us won the gold medal, myself included, two of them, and he stopped all of us and he said, you know, there's, there's fighters in the Middle East, there's fighters that I know, you know, from my home country that would kill for an opportunity to lose here. <laughs> and yeah, they, literally they would kill for an opportunity to even lose here, just to have an opportunity to step in here and to have an opportunity to fight for a world championship, to represent their country and they can't. And you guys are here and you had the opportunity many of you fulfilled it and like this is just where it starts you know be, being a champion is not just you know getting that medal around your neck but it's it's like what you do with it what how you act from now on and how grateful you are for even having the opportunity like <laughs> these other kids could have come in here and taken it from you but they don't even have it so be grateful yeah
1: it's such a learning opportunity, those kind of competitions like that, world championships. I know for me personally, as, a, as an amateur doing that as well, that once I had that opportunity to fight on the national team and got there and had multiple fights until you lost all that, that was such a massive learning experience, both um, personally for yeah. me as a fighter, but also just observing how all the different coaches prepped fighters and you know cherry picking bits and pieces that work better for you or not and experimenting yeah. with your setup I found that was a real fast track kind of pressure situation where everyone's kind of um, exposed out on the floor and you can see all
0: these different things going on. It was, it was fascinating with the different countries. I miss it (laughs) to be honest. I, I, I really miss it. Now as we're talking about just picturing in my head, just, you know, we would have, road trips, like two, three hours to Boston, to train at Set Yotan, to New York, to train with different teams, to to Jersey, to train with different teams, everyone on the come up and having these tournaments that we're getting ready for. And there was only like one on the East Coast and one, you know, now they have one every single month outside Mm -hmm. of COVID right now. But uh, before that that they were having ones almost every other month, and at the time you know it was one event we're preparing for like for the year like all right let 's get a fan <laughs> let's all drive down let's let's enjoy it. People had mattresses in the arena, <laughs> and they're all getting stuffed up, six hundred fighters waiting outside a you know like a holiday in to yeah. to weigh in and just starving and uh everyone becoming friends and now seeing everyone come up is it's, it's really fun watching the come up, but it's it's definitely that journey that was the really fun part. Like not now everyone kind of goes in their own, you know, in their own direction as a professional and and goes on with life. But those team building opportunities, those things, I think, especially if you're an amateur, you, you, you really want to savor those. Yeah.
1: And you mentioned that sort of team building and it is, although, like you said, right at the start, Uh, a kind of a solo sport where you get the rewards out of it that you put in but there's still that massive team element isn't there let alone Mm -hmm. if even if you're not competing in a in a national team like that it's just with your with your corner team and coaches and all that kind of stuff as well it's that nice little hybrid I think isn't it of the best of the team aspect but the best of the solo aspect as well
0: that's why I love it that's why I love the sport and I wouldn't trade it for anything because I just—it's like when you do those team projects at school, and and you feel like you're putting in eighty percent of the work, and then everybody gets a grade because of your work, you know, mm. or you can be lazy as fuck and then get <laughs> get an A. And how good does that feel, you know, yeah. like knowing that? So, you know, the the lows are super low, and but the highs are extremely high, and they're one hundred percent worth it. Yeah. It
1: it really does. I I think it makes you learn about yourself massively. That there, there isn't anywhere to hide, is there? It, not just on fight day, but in all the all the work that goes ahead of that as well. Um, yeah, I think it's a fascinating process. It's personally why I think Muay Thai's drawn drawn me in. Is it's it's not just the physical and the technical and tactical aspects and all the rest of it. It's it's actually what it's it's held the mirror up to me that you'd sort of think I will behave a certain way in this situation. And I don't think there's much more of a, a pressured situation than there is in a, in a full contact Muay Thai fight where everyone's watching and there's been a buildup for months potentially to it. Um, it, it, uh, it allows you to see what's going on.
0: Yeah. It's ruthless truth telling because you get, you get inside and everything is uncovered. You're very susceptible and and everyone's watching and everyone has an opinion of how they would, take that certain situation at will. And especially when you're watching from the seat in the arena or from your couch at home, flipping the channels and they have an opinion, but it's a lot different when you're in that POV, you know, and and those knuckles are coming straight at your face and (laughs) you're going to your left. You're not watching it from that angle from the side like you're you're watching that come straight at your eyeballs right yeah and, yeah and 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 you feel it in your loins and you're trying to visualize it before you walk out and and the anticipation of it and and trying to anticipate movements while you're setting up your own like, like you like you have to be present in the moment but you have to adapt as well like you you have to use high iq and then <laughs> find the rhythm with everything that you've trained and prepared for and all these different things it's it's really ruthless because I've seen guys that are extremely talented in the gym, and then they go out there and then none of it comes out in the fight. so it's it's like you know if you put in twelve like ten hours and you get paid eight dollars an hour, you get eighty dollars like in in fighting, you can put in those ten hours and and you can get nothing out of it come fight day if if your mind just doesn't flip that switch like everything has to be checked off. And in my experience, I've seen guys that don't have certain things checked off, but they can come on fight day and they can perform, Mm -hmm. you know, like for me, I've never been extremely talented. Uh, the, I guess the one talent I've always had is the, you know, some guys got to be taught toughness. Some people will say like, you can teach it. Some people say you can't, I, I think you can forge it, especially throughout life. Um, maybe not living a soft life, but, Mm -hmm if you put yourself in those challenging situations i think you can forge it um, but if you never put me through a hard workout and you let me train for 10 years and just taught me the skills and then that hard time came i would show up you know and and and, and i would put in the fight and i would go out on my shield 10 years later without, without ever being put in that situation so i guess that you can call that a talent but when you're a professional uh, it, it it doesn't matter nobody cares how tough you are it's you know they're they're going to take you out if if the skill is not there yeah definitely
1: and I, I find that that kind of toughness is also personally a, a bit of a double-edged sword in that it's it's mm, great 100%. during the fight um but sometimes it means you do push a little bit too much in training and and do a little bit of a self-destruct i know i've personally done that where i've been like yeah that's I can feel something's coming on, there's an injury or something waiting to pop and I've been like, crack on, I'm going to finish what I was doing and then I've I've actually injured something that's then rather than being like a day or two rest and I'm back in full form, it's like now it's months and it's like it's just because I'm a stubborn, stubborn idiot again that's great in the fight. That's exactly what I should do in the fight but not in every training session.
0: Yeah, I mean... <sighs> They, nothing's more disappointing when you see a guy is extremely skilled, and then when the dogs have got to come out, maybe they're a little bit down. Mm-hmm. He never does, and they just cruise, or or they just give up, right? And because fighting is fighting, and people will respect you if you go out on your shield. Now, it's a double-edged sword, as you said. If you want a perfect example of that, it was my glory debut, and you know, I took a fight on six days' notice. I fought Ivan Galaz. It was I, I remember seeing the uh UFC fight you can go on UFC fight pass right now if you're listening and just watch this fight if you want a perfect example of how to like to lose a fight that you won <laughs> you won two minutes and 50 whatever seconds of in each round <laughs> right it's a it's it's an amazing example of that so if you have UFC fight pass go to glory uh man 50 48 I'll, glory 48 Matt, is that madison's that. Sc- yeah. It's a glory Madison square garden I, on six days notice. They called me to to fight this Chilean uh, that fought Alex Pereira and, and a number of glory fighters, even at heavyweight. And I went up in weight to be able to fight him on six days. I blew my knee out stretching <laughs> in the, in the, it, behind the curtain as they called my name out. Oh really? I popped that it was. back. Yeah. I, po- <laughs> I, I popped it back in. So if you do that lunge stretch, picturing yourself doing a side lunge and then you kind of go ass to heal. Uh, I was asked to heal. I was getting more flexible. And then uh, I pushed my elbow on the inside of my knee and then it just snapped. <laughs> it, it just uh, dislocated Uh-oh. and you know I've had issues with cartilage in the past but this time it was uh, actually it was a double tear in the meniscus and a tear in the MC in, in a strain in the MCL and a strain in my vastus lateralis and I I jumped the second it happened it slid it popped I jumped I I like teeped with my leg to snap it back in and it snapped and then reverb mm-hmm. and they open the curtains. Here we go, baby. And uh, didn't affect much. But if you watch the fight, you'll see um, a pretty skillfully dominant first round, dominant second round, hurting him. Uh, going two minutes, 50 seconds. You hear the tap, tap, tap. Uh, Ten seconds left in the second round. Uh, I land a knee to the head earlier in the round that cuts across his, from his nose up his eyebrow. Yeah. And I love knees and and glory uh, It's these things like what we said mentally, if, if some, if there's a little glitch, right. And I had a little glitch because I remember being in the team meeting and I'm like, okay, I'm a tie boxer. I'm here in glory, but I can put things together. You know, I, I was a golden glove finalist as a boxer, as an amateur, I can put these things together really quick. I went to a kickboxing gym for two days to get ready and then, uh, there was that glitch because we had a meeting in the back and the guys in glory, this is every show I've done for glory kickboxing. They go, if you clinch, if you throw a knee, disconnect, keep the combinations going. And nobody came here to pay and buy a ticket to see anyone clenching. Everyone wants, wants to see you put combinations together, be aggressive, put on a show, blah, blah, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Right. So, it is that perfect example of like doing more when you don't have to like, it's very apparent. I I'm winning two minutes and 55 seconds of the round. And at that point you're going to go, okay, I'm going to take this win on this round. Instead. It was like more, more, I need more like, you know, like, like dominate more. And still being an early professional, uh, I overcommit to the knee because the first knee cut, so if I go harder, right. it'll cut even harder, right? Even deeper. And I go for the harder shot and I pull his guard so hard that I swing my arms like really low and overhand while I'm on one leg. Yeah. You know, kind of questionable knockdown. I'm, I pop right I pop right back up, shaking my head no. But, you know, I, you know in glory, it's automatic 10-8 and they count knockouts above winning rounds. Yeah. So split decision went over to the and based right. on that one punch Yeah. despite getting up despite everything else it doesn't matter you know you got to take the responsibility of that little glitch and and, and fix that
1: yeah and a, a great lesson to learn though and I'm, I'm sure you've benefited from that
0: lesson in future fights haven't you oh like <laughs> not even myself but when i when i teach now i have experience to bring into it you know like coaches would tell me like oh knee and just swing down swing down like like for more power for more hip and um but why not go high reward with the lowest amount of risk why why not stab utilize the opponent's guard where you're you're pulling it down but you can still protect yourself at the same time like where where you're in positions where the risk is really low the reward is still high uh, perhaps you get 10% less on it, but the reward is higher, you know, much with like strength and conditioning, like you're, you're not hitting your maxes every time you're going in the gym, you know, like you, you do a little bit less to gain a little bit more. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It, you know, it's something, um, I was talking with, uh, Tony Myers on the previous podcast, actually, we are talking about mm-hmm. the maximum power cause he's doing some, some research on actually measuring, um, rear technique strikes of, uh, kicks punches and knees uh, and elbows and he was talking about not trying quite so hard and that actually ends up with more force measured on the impact on the target and wow. um, yeah just just relaxing a little bit more so you the the muscles mm. are a bit more relaxed the the agonists are working the antagonist muscle groups are relaxing so the brakes aren't on as you're throwing it so just kind of relaxing and just throwing it makes a big difference um but that so that's the, that's the role I see for strength and conditioning, actually, as you've mentioned that as well, that it's almost like if you can increase your, your maximum force production or rate of force production, so strength and power, then to actually match your opponent, if they're not as strong, your 80% matches their 100%, but you're more relaxed and you can keep it going all day. So it's rather than thinking I've got to apply my 100% in every strike in the fight, it's actually I train to increase my 100%, but I consistently use 80% of that in the fight over and over and over, and that's how I'm going to mm-hmm. win, and that's that's how I'm going to make sure that the the best technique comes out of me, really, and I'm not overly tense in everything and just thinking that's the way to, to do it.
0: I really enjoyed that visual you had in your... Uh, heavy hitters program where you're talking about the energy systems and that like if one guy is just a little bit more conditioned and uh you know they're working at the same workload but they're a little bit more conditioned like his drowning him at that 100% while he's able to still recover because he has a little bit left in the tank right so like he doesn't have to pretty much use all his steam to to get the same energy output out and then if they're trying to keep up the energy output, they're like really steaming themselves out. And then as the rounds go on, you just can't recover anymore because you're like, you're failing, right? Like if, if one guy is doing like 70% of his max lift, while the other guy's doing 100%, but the number is the same, obviously when he goes back to set two is gonna be rough. Like yeah. I know when I do like my max set of pull-ups, if I do like leave two in the tank, I can have that consistent number over and over for every set. Right. Yeah. But if I just go all out on the first one, I like, Oh, and I like truly fail It's just true muscle failure. When I go for the second one, it, it drops way off. I can't do the same number. I would, if I did like two, like, let's say I can do 10 perfect strict pull-ups and I just pick to do seven, you know, or eight. Yeah. then if i did that like 10 and like oh fucking strained on those last two then when i go back in that second set it's like five versus <laughs> the other one i can do eight 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 yeah. eight eight right yeah that's it and that overall volume then is
1: greater isn't it
0: oh 100 yeah that, that, <laughs> that, that, that's what matters you know like uh Ferasa was talking about that i believe on the rogan experience where it's like you know like uh gsp he he pretty much almost never goes to failure. He's like, I just have him do these movements every single day. And then he's able to just get more volume throughout the week because he's able to do more repetitions of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's interesting how that all works out. Um, You kind of touched on things a little bit there. I just wanted to mention as well. I mean, um, in, in parallel to everything you've been doing with your, with your Muay Thai, you've been doing well, like skateboarding, all this kind of stuff as well. But you were also you you're a certified personal trainer, and
0: you you've actually got a, degree a in, lifetime, yeah,
1: a degree in, in health and exercise science is that right
0: yeah that's correct i I graduated with gold cords in health and exercise science after going to so eventually I was going to become a an anesthetist, which is a step down from anesthesiology I, I just i thought about it as a kid I'm like, man, twelve years I always hated school and even though I graduated with high honors, I went into, um, could have gotten into any college, but I chose community college because I knew that my parents can afford it and 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 we can get through it rather than, you know, when you do things and, and it's almost like you want to sell it short and you want to complete it so you can get it out of the way knowing that you're going to go on to do different things with your life. It was right. almost like that, like. I knew we can afford community college. And I know I, know I can make my parents proud, show them my potential uh, to go on to do what I want to do and, 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 and to do it at the lowest cost possible by, <laughs> by going through that, right? Yes. And I ended up being the youngest person going into an RN program. I, I think I was 19. And after two years of college, I, I, I applied for uh, the four-year RN program uh, to get in. Uh, I ended up doing a year of clinical, um, you know, like in the ICU and the NICU with the little babies and, 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 and I ended up failing, a I always do this on podcasts. Is like I hope my mom doesn't listen because <laughs> I know my dad listens. I my dad listens to 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 shows I do. Yeah, he is interested in the things I do. My mom not so much. So I just hope it doesn't get passed around to her. Maybe when I'm like like super successful, I can just like all oh, right there. I I I missed it on purpose. You know, there was one test I was taking, and you had to get a, I Believe it was like a seventy-seven. Like it had to be at least a C plus, mm. and. I remember getting to a certain point in the test, like maybe like there was like 16 answers left. and I was like, you know what? I can't, like I tried, I tried. I remember doing the prerequisites and my parents being like, oh, like the reason why you're not interested in it is because you have to get to the clinical portion where it's more hands-on and you're a hands-on learner. And I'm like, all right, all right. And it, you know, I did everything in my life as a blueprint. and. Uh, you know all the skateboarding snowboarding my parents hated all that stuff but because I was I was a good boy you know I got straight A's and and I did everything I was supposed to do I came home on time I didn't do drugs get a, get in trouble with the police that they knew about <laughs> uh, you know things things th- th- there was trust there so what well, when that test came I I don't know. At, at one point I just said, I can't. And I just, I think I just circled the same answer over and over like B, like, B, 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 or like a b c a b c a b c a b, c, a, b c, yeah. c type of thing. And I remember the, it was like the supervisor of the whole program brought me in and she's like, Paul, you missed this by like, it was a fraction of one point. It was like, so I needed to round up to 77 and it was like 76.3. So it couldn't round up. Yes. Yeah. And she's like, and she was like, you know, like we can do something here to, you, you know, like she pretty much tried to help me out to like get an extra point in the, in the program to be able to like move forward. And I felt like the biggest weight off my chest the second she said, like you missed it by a fraction of a point. And when she said that, I was like, man, like, there's no way I can keep doing this. So once, once she started giving me these outs and like helping me, I remember being like, I know what you're trying to do. I know you're trying to help me. Please just, when (laughs) my parents try to talk to you, anything like this happens, like I'm done. Right. And, uh, I wanted to do what I love. So I just transferred to a health and exercise science program. Um, you know, I had a ton of credits already, like very similar things like yeah. anatomy and, and biology and, and human bio, biology. So a lot of these credits transferred within the two years I graduated with that. I got my national Academy of sports medicine certification. I did a few specializations. I, I did an internship doing like group fitness, uh, worked with moms, grandmas, and you know, all the above. And, uh, yeah, yeah, is 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 a little bit of a different lifetime ago, but went through that whole process before I left it all and and packed it up and moved to Thailand. Yeah, and
1: so speaking of Thailand, you is it um you're now in Phuket, aren't you? Is it powerhouse in Phuket? Mm-hmm. You're training at now. Yep. Yeah, that's because you do you you move to different gyms and different um, stages, don't you, of your training this is home
0: right now right Uh, you know uh for a very long time it's so hard finding that balance I feel like MMA's got it down where guys can form like a true camp and do it as real athletes Mm. and I don't feel like that that's happening in Muay Thai maybe there's just not enough money in it and back home you know, guys that are coaches and they have their gyms, a lot of times it's part-time, like they have a full-time job and then they teach at night. And then the class ends up being a one hour class. Then maybe you get a little pad work with your coach and, you know, after training in Thailand, five, six hours a day and seeing changes on a weekly basis versus uh, the changes that you see, you know, just doing something one hour a day. uh, Mm. It's more of a hobby. Um, (laughs) It was just so hard going back home. Right. And, but then again, being in Thailand, I was a sponsored fighter. I did you know, what you're supposed to do. Um, I don't think many guys really do anymore. A lot of gyms are more commercialized now. But I lived in a fan room with a bunk bed with a 16-year-old like a kid sleeping above me for almost half a year. And uh, I wasn't allowed to miss training. I, I could get kicked out if I do. Uh, I can't miss a single run um whether i had fevers staph infections you know i'm in the cold shower with a fan in my room i remember like my laptop frying because of how hot it is and humid my like my macbook my camera my camera fogged all inside like i couldn't keep any my equipment in the room anymore because it would just get so hot, you know, and like the fan didn't do anything. Like we have a bunk bed. So we would have it halfway to be to be fair to each other. We yeah. would have it halfway so nobody's getting it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know I, I uh, skill wise it, w- it was an, an amazing experience, especially being under like a golden era legend who Namsa k Kou- it was. Mm. But at the end of the day I ended up being like skinny fat <laughs> and uh taking a ton of injuries at the end that haunted me for a number of years so like this six-month process like debilitated my body for a long time and i was performing and trying to perform with these injuries and impingements where now that's the reason why i'm here that's the reason why i'm at powerhouse because they're in the middle uh you know like everything's kind of a religion to people like i feel like muay thai even becomes a religion there's these like extreme traditionalists and then there's these like super new school guys like ah that's old school man like you 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 got to do sauna and massage and this and this and like they're not doing the the core training yeah and then there's the opposite where it's the traditionalists and they're doing nothing new for like that like they don't welcome anything it's it's just zero open-mindedness and i'm in the middle and i feel like it, it's helped me what I said before, like growing up in Poland then growing up in the States, it's just two completely different cultures. Like one is like, like always looking at other people. One is all, like always looking just at yourself, that would deal. like being more selfish, like Americans are type of thing. <laughs> and, and, and like finding like this middle ground, like, okay, like what you said earlier, like cherry picking a little bit from like each one to see what works. And, me having traveled around the world and felt like okay this works this uh, this doesn't work like this is really good like there's guys that really take that strength and conditioning and the new school stuff like way too far where they're not doing the core work where you know you you see guys like sanchai um he doesn't train and and he beats these brazilians with a 12 pack that are shredded and (laughs) fucking strong they're animals and they just can't touch him because the fundamentals aren't there yeah um you know and 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 then you also see the opposite where it's just super old school and you're a big guy and you're in this cookie cutter program that these short guys are and you're you're not really improving that way and you're just like breaking your body down, you're not using the same style, the same approach, the same energy systems. And like I've I've seen people here that are here for five years and not, they're not really improving themselves. So mm-hmm. uh, powerhouse is kind of in the middle where they're they're very your focus, there's actual instruction. It's not just like cardio pads and like going for five rounds to to get tired and to sweat. Yeah. And and more of a focus on on skill and and being able to have a bit of recovery and 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 when you say oh i'm going to lift it's not looked at with like a side eye like mm. hey you should be just focusing on running more run more like that's the answer to everything right like <laughs> you're sick run more oh your knee hurts run more <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you know it's i i have this kind of um
1: well, a, a bit of a, a little phrase I had in, in my own head, and I used to use it on my website quite a bit of respecting the traditional, embracing the new. And I do yeah, think Yeah, that, I really like that. Yeah, I, I perhaps should use that again a bit more. Um, but that's that's genuinely how I I feel about things. I think there's a, a ton of really good stuff in traditional Muay Thai training, and that's naturally evolved to be efficient at doing what that's doing. But then there's also bits that just haven't been touched or approached before. Are gaps that can be brought up by using new methods, if you like that aren't the traditional way just because those tools or that knowledge wasn't about when that's been forged um, and actually marrying up the two in the right amounts, not getting too the the pendulum swinging way too far one the other way is is kind of the best way, but also to kind of personalize it like you've said, where you know what does suit one person doesn't another and there, there are different things and different areas that you perhaps should be focusing on. To, to get the most out of yourself and not on the other side of it, mess yourself up as well. Just trying to do something that does suit somebody else and not you. Um, I think there's there's probably a quite a bit of carnage with people just trying to copy people that are either a completely different build or a completely different stage of their their training and the, the, the intensity and the volume of their training that they need to improve them or even maintain what they're doing is perhaps way too much for you or not enough for you. And it's just, it's knowing where you are on that and just, trimming things to to keep moving forwards um I sorry have you got something to say about about that Paul
0: yeah because with that said I feel like I personally probably have missed out on being a part of a team meaning, in the sense of like having like this extreme belief system. And 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 it's more true now than ever when it comes to politics, like where, where you identify with the side and then all of a sudden, like you got friends and people that will be like, yeah, man, I got your back. You know, like if, if you have that certain set of beliefs, but when you're this person that's more open-minded and you're able to see things from both perspectives, it, it's almost like people can get on the team with you. Cause they're like, like yeah i like that part about you but you also believe this which i don't believe that's on the other side and i definitely felt that in Moisai. like for a long time i was trying to like really identify as um, you know do things the right way like like when i was coming out they're like oh you know you you've, like there's the guy like <laughs> they go to the other extreme. They're like bowing to the bag, which, which is what I told you about, like yes. religion. They like bow to the bag before they hit it. Like respect playing time music and like wearing a monk all while hitting <laughs> the bag yes. type of deal. Right. Just like taking it to a crazy extreme. Um, and what's funny is that the Thais care about that stuff so much less than foreigners do about like other foreigners. And, yeah. uh, you know, not being a part of like team traditionalist or being a part of like team new school. Mm -hmm. It's, I don't, I don't get the people that like jump, jump, jump ship and like, like, yeah, we're on the same team, brother. Like I'm here to support you. More so of the people that are like, yeah, man, like fuck this, just be cool. Like, like instead of be identifying with one team or another, like just to be cool like and, and and I feel like that's what I've always wanted to do with with fighting with um when I was skateboarding any of these things because I remember my parents always telling me like you know like skateboarding's for punks or riding street bikes is like because you have a death wish, funny enough, I have a death wish tattoo on my <laughs> on my leg and 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 I always wanted to prove the opposite. You know, it was almost always a challenge for me where I was saying, yeah, but not me. (laughs) Like, I'm not one of those. I I know a ton of guys that are just meatheads. I know a ton (laughs) of guys that uh, don't educate themselves, you know, and, and they just rely on the physical portion. And unfortunately, like, the best in the world, they, they, they encompass everything. You know, they, they encompass like true, genuine spirit and love for the game, but they also know how to like play and finagle with the business side of things. And they also like look at the entire landscape of how to shape it when it comes to like the mental, the physical, the strength and conditioning, the skill part, and then also like how to help others and how to do it right Um, those are those are the ones that like truly get to that peak spot but like on the way there in the progress not a lot of people see it because they can't identify with it so it's like tell me which way to do it don't tell me like well sometimes like this and sometimes like this because then it's confusing give me give me a b like a blueprint and that's how i try to teach like with these diagrams because I'm a visual learner Mm -hmm. so when I created the striking academy I try to encompass everything like audio where I'm talking over these breakdowns but then I also have the visual and then I have the physical um, example and then also the in-fight example and then I can tell you like okay this is the style and recently I started uh, creating the mastery series which is showing you how to throw, let's let's say, uh, recently we did, we did the knee, right? And I go over five different styles. Right. Like five different styles of knees. Like different hand positioning, different commitment to the stab from the hip. And then when do you use each one? When is each one, like each one has a pro and a con. No matter what, there's a yeah. pro and a con. Yeah. Right? And it's like, when do you use each one? Against what type of fighter? And what drills can you use to get each one better right Mm because i can't swing my arm down against a certain guy but i can't swing my arm down against another certain guy and that's the part that a lot of people don't want to be interested in because there's anything just fucking tell me which way is the best Mm -hmm. right and there's no such thing people have made each each style the best uh it, it but it's dependent on the situation and yeah. how they execute it. And and that's what I'm trying to make sexy. And and, and that's what I'm trying to bring appeal to.
1: Mm. That's that's interesting. I, something that I've always had when I've been coaching the Muay Thai side is that I try and make people aware of the different techniques. Um, like you say, different variations of throwing something or even different techniques that you may throw in different situations. And it's, it's more based on... Um, the range that you're at um, and whether that range is being closed up, opened up, you know, the, the relative movement between everybody, um, what's gone before, what's going to happen afterwards. Um, but it's more like rather than overly thinking about it, you just feel what is right in this position with this kind of threat or not threat. And it it would change how, which one you use, how you guard as you throw it, all the rest of it, where you position yourself before and afterwards. And, um, but to more more rely on like uh, you've drilled this stuff in the different positions, almost create the environment to to create the right condition for each one. So oh, this one works here, it mm-hmm. doesn't work here and vice versa. But then to encourage people to just feel when one situation is on or not and then the instinctive one comes out. So you don't have to think about it too much. It's like, oh, this one was on, bang, I threw that one. It's like, oh, I didn't even think I was going to do that. It happened almost by accident. And that's that's that kind of flow that the stuff that works and that, stops people and knocks them out and it's almost like you accidentally hurt them just because you you flowed into something that fitted that situation and and like you say they're mass there's a massive variation of those situations
0: that's exactly why i wanted to try and play with different styles as i was coming up especially as an amateur and then uh different fighting styles as i was pro meaning whatever different type of fight or setup there could be to the fight or a different style matchup. I try to take because especially when you turn pro, you don't get to play with things as much. Mm. And especially if you reach those top promotions. So I fought Muay Thai. I fought kickboxing. I fought glory kick, kickboxing and like K1 style. When I was in the world, I took both K1 style and full rules Muay Thai. Right. Funny enough, I, I think I lucked out because I fought the Dutch fighter in Muay Thai and I fought like a Muay Thai stylist in kickboxing. And and then in the pros, same thing. I went straight from Lion Fight to Glory to uh, being in Thailand where things are scored like entirely different than even Muay Thai in the United States. And then just being able to adapt rather than being like, well, this scoring way is bullshit or mm. this one is the right way. Uh, just having more perspective where it's like, okay, all right, we in New York. Okay. This is how we're doing it. Oh, this, this is the sanctioning body. Okay. We're just being aggressive. Yeah. Okay. We're in Thailand. This, they they, they score more of the steez and style and the body kicks and the knees and control and composure and all these different things. Like that's what we need to focus on here. And, and then, being able to flip that switch, and and you can't do that unless you have the experience of having been there. Um, like, mm-hmm. at the beginning of this year, I went from fighting... Uh, I fought, like, a modified kickboxing fight in Thailand. Then I fought a Muay Thai fight five rounds. Then I fought a Muay Thai fight three rounds. And then I went to Cambodia, and I fought a one-round Kun Khmer KO-only nine-minute round. Oh, nice. That's interesting. It's like... It's yeah. like Like, what is that? You know, like just to figure out like, uh, how do we pace this? How do we like, do you go from the knockout early and just get it over with? Do you break the guy down over time? Is there enough time? And the only way you can figure it out is by going in there and doing it. So, and then, then you can pass that on to others, right? Like to, to have the example to speak from, I know a lot of people have examples that they speak from and even things that I haven't taught. And then I'm like, oh, that doesn't really make sense to me. And then I figure it out because I'm doing it in a real situation. I'm like, okay, that's why it didn't make sense to me. Yeah. right? Yeah. Because it doesn't really work that way at this angle. It just doesn't feel comfortable, right? Like it only works for that guy because he's shorter than me. Or yes. it works for that guy because he's yeah. orthodox rather than you know me being a southpaw. And the, <laughs> there's nothing that can replace the experience of having been in those situations. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's, uh,
1: you started out with the skateboarding and the, the, the bikes and the snowboarding, and that kind of stuff, and transitioned over to Muay Thai. But I'm interested to know why that happened, why Muay Thai, why you left behind those other adrenaline activities, if you like, um, and what you appreciate about Muay Thai at the start that drew you in.
0: I started to get kind of sick of the culture uh and skateboarding. There was a lot of like I I was never somebody that uh especially when once we got to high school, a lot of drinking and, and smoking and, and talking shit type of stuff. And you know, like we would have videos running from the cops and things like that. And and down the line it just it just didn't uh appeal to me. I I never thought it was cool to be kind of talking shit to each other all the time as like a friendship type of thing. You, you know, those like groups of guys where like the whole time is just kind of busting each other's balls rather than yeah. like talking about growth and <laughs> yeah. development and things like that. So again, it's, it's like one of those things where I'm in these circles where I'm in the middle. Like I, I don't like fully identify with the circle where I'm, I'm willing to be like, Oh, I'm a skateboard. So now, I am a punk and, and I just smoke and I drink and skate pools and break in and skate the pool and then run. And then like, I do this for the next 10 years. Um, I was like, no, I want to do all that fun, cool shit. But I also don't want to go into like destructive habits that down the line don't allow me to grow. Right. And so I, I didn't identify with that. And then, you know, you, you take even more heat for it. You're like it's like, Oh uh, yeah, we'd invite you, but you always like this, and 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 then trying to make you feel that way. And I was like, down the line, it was funny because in high school, uh I was a skateboarder, but I would hang out with like the preppy kids too. I mostly dated like the preppy girls, and but I wasn't really like friends with the, the preppy guys. I was friends with the skateboarder guys because yeah. I thought those guys were douchebags. Um, but I like the fact that they had a little bit of like discipline and their parents cared about them, like trying to be an intellectual at the same time. Mm. I'm like, man, how do like, how do I fuse all this together? And I think we have all these thoughts in our heads and then then we, we, you know, some people allow things to happen to them. um, And some people just make certain choices in their lives that lead them to become, you know, what they picture in their mind. And, and I feel like, that's what I did. You know, I, I ended up going to that gym. I left skateboarding that whole entire kind of culture behind. And it's like, I just, it was a completely different life. I, I don't talk, I don't hang out with any of the people I used to hang out with. It was a, you know, I'm still like, it's not like, Oh, I don't like them. I don't like that style or whatever. Maybe it's just like, it, it just wasn't me anymore. I'm a different person. You know, people try to think like you identify as one thing and then that's what, you're going to be for the rest of your life <laughs> now we have so many choices especially now like you, you have access to anything so like anything in the world any person in the world to take example from like you know before if you were in your hometown no one else fought then it's like all of a sudden it's like all right what opportunity do i have but now you can find a group that connects with you you can find people that you can relate with um at the time i didn't have that so I found it, you know, like I found it in a garage from like 30 minutes away in a gym <laughs> and, and, you know, they didn't care whether it was, you know, you, you step in the, in the gym and you work hard. They don't care if you're black, white, Asian, girl, boy, uh, you're a doctor, you came from a shitty back, background, you were a dickhead or, or not, like, do you come in? Do you work hard? Do you respect the teacher? And, and are you willing to learn? And man, that's as simple as I wanted to keep it. And me loving that and, and and having like a focus and a thing that you try to perfect, but can never can. That's also productive and good for your health and challenges you and forces you to grow. I think over the years, that's exactly what became what I've, you know, I, I fell in love with. And it's a tool, It's it's a vehicle to succeed in, in other things yeah
1: well, i think when you find something that, that aligns with ultimate, like you mentioned an identity and all that kind of side of things um your core values you know when things cheers, are at, cheers. <laughs> you know when things are actually um aligning with what you deem important or, or feel right to you and it's almost like your fur's being rubbed up the wrong way when even some of those core values are there but others aren't i've definitely found that mm-hmm. i've i've moved away from things that I'm just like, no, this just doesn't fit me. It doesn't feel right. It's, it's making me unhappy, this part of it. Um, and when you find something that marries up all of your core values, um, that's that's magic. It's, it's great when when people do that. And it's great, I think, when it's the physical types that find something like Muay Thai, where there is the respect to it as well. And it's not all just people shouting each other down and, and uh, massive yeah. egos all the time. Um, I, I found that really refreshing
0: yeah you know that's what i like at the end of the day with this is you don't have to talk much uh, if you don't want to you know like it 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 rewards every personality like you might get a little bit of extra uh value to you if if you are entertaining and you do enjoy talking out loud and and letting people know your thoughts and confidence and whatever you feel inside or don't some some guys don't and they still speak up on it but also, if, if you are the quiet type and, and that's how you want to keep it, you know, at the end of the day, everybody sees what happens in, inside the ring. Everyone sees whether you show up to the gym and how often you do that. And that that's where you build the respect between the people. And that's what I just said. Nobody cares what, what color you are, what height, what this, what that. It's just at the end of the day, like show up, do you do the work. And I feel like over the years I've also built up <laughs> another double-edged sword which is having a really good work ethic and it's almost like i'm always challenged i don't know how david goggins does it because <laughs> he must have people like every single day being like motherfucker you, i bet you can't do this though you know like everyone <laughs> wants everyone wants the guy that's never been beat to be beat and like somebody to to like solve that puzzle right so like you have this unbreakable man it's like oh i can think of something to break you like you know and 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 you'll get every guy that can't even go out and run a mile without stopping and heaving telling you what you can't do and taking it as a challenge and 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 possibly (laughs) having a physical repercussions because of our mental repercussions because of it. Like I, I've done it a ton of times where like I put work and financials to the side, like just to be a hard motherfucker. <laughs> like, and, and, and I would have injuries. Like I said, like, I, I popped my knee before the fight and then I went out and fought. Like there, there's been situations like that where I've been in the gym and done similar things. And just to be like, man, the last two guys that did this, you know, they, they kind of walked away and then I never saw them again or they walked away and the train, I heard trainers talking about them behind their back. And it's like, I'm not going to be the one to to be talked about like that. And then two months down the line, two years down the line, I'm like, damn, it's still fucked up, huh? Ah. And it's affecting how I'm performing and and these things. So yeah, that, that double-edged sword, that's like every personality, isn't it? Like, uh, no matter what you are if you're too nice maybe people take advantage of you being too nice if you're too hard maybe you don't make as many friends like everything has its pros and cons just yeah. like the styles that we talked about right yeah. like coming from full circle
1: yeah there's, there's no such thing as the as the perfect approach is it there's strength and weaknesses to everything that's um, mm. it's interesting to kind of take that on board i'm, I'm interested as well to know you know how how your appreciation for, for Muay Thai has changed now because there's been a lot of training since you started out in that sit your don garage there.
0: <laughs> yeah. um,
1: what what do you appreciate about Muay Thai now
0: that you perhaps didn't right at the start? Wow. I don't know. I've never been as that. That's, uh, you know, in the, in the past, I want to say year and a half, I begin forming who I am inside the ring and in inside training and all my performances meaning you know you start out you watch these legends you 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 try to mimic the movements of those that did it the best and certain things don't don't mesh well like i, I always enjoyed the aesthetic style of dutch kickboxers like being in your face and fighting and that's won me some fans yeah. but it didn't always win me new brain cells <laughs> and so I had to take a different approach because I'm tall and I'm a southpaw. and for a long time I just I didn't like the way that tall guys fought they fought extremely safe with a jab and a teep and and they would score their way with the body kicks and then just like you know get their hand raised and walk away and mm-hmm. you know no one ever talked about it again and I, I was never that guy it was never part of my personality it's probably why i resonated here with uh powerhouse because eddie is is one of the fighters here and i don't know how familiar you are with him or his style he's, yes he's a aussie fighter and champion and he's a very in-your-face fighter despite being almost as tall as me being a lankier guy and and he enjoys himself a fight and Him doing that and and me seeing like, there's other guys that think the same way I do, but then wanting the change, I think it also helped to be able to talk it with somebody that is in my exact position. Like, mm. hey man, we're both tall. We both like to fight, but we pay for it a lot, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right? Like we, for the entertainment value, we, we pay for it a lot. And he looked at me and he was like, man, even if I like to do this doesn't mean you don't got to do this shit. It's like, you're really good at, you know, sticking with certain things and being annoying with these long weapons. And <laughs> there's still a way to be entertaining and mold the style. So that's the appreciation I found in the past, I want to say year and a half or two years, uh, which led me to you, which led me to finding my talents and, and actually utilizing them rather than trying to mimic others are, and mimic certain styles that I find appealing and in finding a style that's both appealing to me, but also complements my body type and my talents rather than working against my talents just to do what, what I would want to watch on TV, like, but still become something that, you know, like I'm proud of and I want to watch back and, 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 and enjoy and be like, Look at this. This is what I built. This is the art piece that I created. This yeah. is my brush. And and this this is what I've been working on here. here here's the masterpiece. Um that's that's the appreciation I think I, I, I found. And and also having been in the spot to fight for the title and finding out that like it I it ain't all that. <laughs> uh I think it's taught me appreciation for why I do this now. You know, earlier on, uh, I did a video about this on my channel and I posted it on Instagram. Me and Sean talk about how our whys have changed over time. Like, you got to ask yourself that question when you first start out, when you're an amateur, when you find some success, when you find some failure, for sure, you start asking yourself, why do I do this? And now down the line, having kind of experienced all of it, sitting down and asking why, it's finding the freedom that comes with doing this sport. And I, I could never picture myself living in Thailand full-time and uh, being able to choose whether I go out to eat tonight, do I train tonight, do I get ready for a fight, do I want to fly back home. Uh, not that I want to do all these different things, but just having the freedom and the choice of it and then being able to meet the people that come from all different types of backgrounds and cultures and learning about them and how they think is is more of a full life experience rather than what I would have had if I was back home and boxed in and never tried anything challenging yeah that's interesting
1: and is that why you still fight now, you know despite all the challenges that you you've had is, is that why you still fight hmm. <laughs>
0: another good question (laughs) it's uh why i still do it is um, i'm getting better at it i'm starting to finally figure figure it out and piece the things together i feel like for the first time i'm a professional where before i think there's a lot of professionals that aren't professionals yet meaning they haven't figured out like the nuances and and they rely on certain talents, like having a good overhand or, you know, having that knock, one shot knockout power, that great equalizer, or having specific things that have worked well over time against certain styles or like against other foreign fighters. Mm. And having fought against all types of people from Thailand, from the West, from Europe, you, 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 you start to kind of figure out like, oh, wow, there's so much to learn here. And and putting all of that together, kind of how I said, forming my style is figuring out now how to put it together. And me putting it together is extremely intriguing. Like just the learning process of how how I can like put these little pieces, what you said before, cherry pick them all and then form this style that is me. Yeah. And I want to keep having experiences so I can speak upon them. I want to have experiences. So I look back when I'm older and say, I had as many of them as possible to look back on. And I didn't stop short of experiencing something that I see down the line and go, Oh man, that would have been an amazing opportunity. But I, I stopped. Yes, You know, I'm, I'm in the prime. I always thought I, I don't know what it was when I was younger. I always told myself, 28 to 32 is prime. That's where we get a grooving. Mm. And it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy where I was, I was 27 turning 28 and I finally started to develop who I am and my style in the ring. So we'll see how it goes 28 to 32 now. I just turned 28. Oh, yeah. So here, we're in the sweet spot. Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> what do you think are the most important traits or characteristics for a champion to have in
0: your opinion? that open-mindedness to take in information but also be critical of what you take in to it's a thing that you only gain with experience and having dealt with different personalities and people and coaches is learning what to take in kind of that Bruce Lee philosophy of like you know take in that which works or and and get rid of that does not right yeah Uh, I've had to do that a lot over the years moving around being a nomad for a number of years before we started to settle down I started to be in a committed relationship type of deal like everything before was very nomadic and now it's the opposite so I feel like as a champion you unfortunately can't really be satisfied That's one of the things you have to come to terms with. You have to surrender to the work. You have to be willing to surrender to the work. You have to be willing to surrender to the process and to look down the line in long term. So whenever I train students, I never train them based on the quick talents and those quick gimmies that can win them the fight that day. I try to train them for five, 10 years down the line uh, where they can be successful. Because I've seen where it ends up. I I never try to look two years down the line, like, okay, we can win this belt in this state. And then we'll see where to go from there. Rather than that, um, you know, like that guy that has that big, powerful left hand. It's amazing. And he keeps putting guys away in the amateurs. But once he comes across a professional that's seen that left hand from a million of other guys and it doesn't work. And now all of a sudden you have nothing else in your arsenal. Unfortunately, you just start. That's those guys that start to lose and lose and lose. And then they can't figure it out. Like, oh, man, Mm -hmm. now I have to work on these talents. But you brought yourself to this high level already it's hard to catch up with these other talents. It's like, it's like being in the UFC and having a white belt and you've been a striker your entire time. Now you got to learn wrestling. It's too late, homie. Like you you have to, you have to prepare and look further down the line. And I think that that's what really makes the guys that are successful. Like I've I've seen a ton of guys in the amateurs that went like five and five, five and six. And then all of a sudden something, clicks where like they've been working on timing and technique and putting these things together and maybe they're thinking a little too much in the fight so they get put away by that athletic guy with the big left hand or a big right hand and then at one point all those skills come together and they're a complete fighter and they just start taking those guys taking them and that that five and six becomes 12 and six and 13 and 15 and then they go pro it resets anyways Mm. and now they're the more seasoned professional i mean that's how i always looked at it. i remember watching lion fight seeing uh guys that if they had like four or five fights they got to the top of the heap they had to fight top competition yeah it was like they would give you a few warm-up fights but man there, there was very little in the middle i always talked about it this way you got to view it like a pyramid there's mm. all these guys at the bottom they're just bottom feeders like Uh, You get MMA guys that jump into Muay Thai and boxing. You get boxers that just want an extra paycheck. You get the guy that's the tough guy uh, and he just wants 500 bucks on the weekend, extra 500 (laughs) bucks, you know? And then you get the guys that went pro so they can tell their friends, like I'm a professional fighter, but then you also get the guys that were amateur phenoms and they took 40 fights before they went pro and, Mm -hmm like all these guys are there at the bottom and then like a few of them rise. Mm. So there's very little in the middle. So like, once you, you know, like you, you pick apart a few of those bottom feeders, it's, you know, you're, you're fighting top competition from there. You're fighting world champions. So you have to not only look at, Oh, when I turn pro, can I, can I rock with these guys that are four and zero or, you know, two and two because so, a lot of guys look at that, they're like, "Like, oh, I can fight that guy. Yeah, but after you fight that guy, can you fight the guy above him? Yeah. That's the real question, right? And that's what I looked at. And <laughs> behold you, after going a hole, 4-0, I fought Brett Havichick, WBC world champion that's fought Cyrus Washington. been fighting for a Lion Fight, take on Madison Square Garden, was 16-4, and four, top 10 WBC in the world. And i had to be ready mm-hmm. and i won a five round decision i was ready so but if i didn't think that way never would have happened never would have come close in that fight yeah you you wouldn't have had that
1: scope to experiment and develop safely there's there's less opportunity to experiment at that top level isn't there you you know it's it's got to yeah. be it's gotta be effective and you need to have done your groundwork i'd i'd love to know you know what the the greatest obstacles or challenges you've had either personally or as a fighter and the lessons that you've learned from
0: those? Injuries, 100%. Um, You know, what I see in a lot of people are personal life challenges uh, from their girlfriend, their wife, their family, uh, letting these things affect their life. I've seen a lot of trainers uh, be affected in their gym and, and then it trickles down to the students. And that's really unfortunate, but for myself, I saw those mistakes and I learned from them by watching others Mm. when it came to injuries, not so much. So (laughs) I I, I didn't have too many experiences watching other guys derail their careers from uh, breaking things or injuring them. And so I had to learn the hard way. Uh, I was never extremely mobile. I really broke my body down skateboarding, snowboarding for all those years. I had really bad cartilage issues in one of my knees. And then obviously that glory fight didn't help. Yeah. Uh, and within that year, uh, to give you perspective, this this was the lowest, lowest low. So imagine going 17-0. In 2015, I went 10-0. and 0. I fell on top of the world. My last fight, I was 9-0. I just came back from Spain. I went three and zero in the world championships. I, in the nationals to get to the world championships, I fought two of the guys that were world champions the year before. So it they weren't punks. There were mm-hmm. there was one undefeated fight, two undefeated fighters for their first loss, and I beat both of them. Then I went with Team USA to Spain. I ended up fighting a pro in the finals. So mm-hmm. I feel extremely confident. He had seventy seven fights. I had. 13 amateur fights, mm-hmm. something like that. I end up winning the fight. Then I go to Madison Square Garden. There's one guy left in my weight division. He was a big sit fighter. He was my height. He ran through everyone, like ex- even experienced fighters. I think he had six finishes in a row, really strong in the clinch, Six four, just like myself, yeah. and really experienced. I think he had almost 30 amateur fights. So at the time I had close to 20. So they were advertising it as like combined 50 plus fights between the two of them. It was a main event at Madison square garden in the theater. It was a big charity event. We were the main event there. It was on like a local pay-per-view type of thing. And I ended up taking a split decision. Right. I won the year 10 and zero beating the number one guy on the East coast the highest of highs like belts and gold around the neck and, yeah. and Madison square garden. Like that's the dream, like being under those iconic lights that are on that roof yes. and, and walking through and seeing just pictures of, of legends on the walls. And then having won a few more fights, running out of opponents going to golden gloves and things like that. Like, okay here we go. We go to Thailand. We moved to Thailand. I live in Thailand for almost a year. I go for, I know as a professional defeat and IFMA I'm a gold medalist as my pro debut, he had something like 40 professional fights. It was my pro debut uh, feel unstoppable 17 and zero. go to lion fight, win another fight against a WBC champion. So it's not just a flash in a pan. And then once I lost the world title, so again, fast track, it's a sprint, now you're fighting the for the world title, and yeah. you're fighting your old your old teammate. Uh, the corner that was in your corner is now in the corner opposite of you. Mark Bellaguardi oh, wow. yeah. with his Italian with his Italian accent yelling, "Hey, we know we know what he's gonna do here. <laughs> we know what he's gonna do here." <laughs> getting in your head and and you almost not wanting to be there it's like man 17 fights in a row i gotta lose at some point and then the self-fulfilling prophecy coming and and then glory calls okay things are still good it's all gravy baby (laughs) let's go and uh popping the knee losing that split decision and then and then i end up losing two more fights to even more subpar competition so it's like i was just beating world champions then i was fighting for the world championship title and and i was undefeated unstoppable and now all of a sudden i lost a couple of fights but they were you know injuries right before like mm. six day notice all these a lot more experienced but now all of a sudden i got no i have no other excuses to blame it on because i just lost two fights to two guys i should not have lost fights to right uh Uh, in glory and I go, man, I've been handed this, this amazing opportunity in, in three split decisions. (laughs) And and I just couldn't, couldn't get past it. And then I end up losing four in a row. So 17 straight and then four straight Mm -hmm. on the losing side. Uh, And then within the same year, it goes from, I have around 20 K in my bank account, 17 fight, win streak. Life is good to uh, i'm on the u.s team to kicked off the u.s US team because of a medical suspension because i got hit so hard in the fight (laughs) uh four losses in a row Mm. in the fight that i'm supposed to come make my comeback snapping my hand in the first round uh Mm. having the meniscus tear in my left knee and then getting facial reconstruction from a headbutt in a fight um just going under, uh, going to sleep, going to doctors for a whole straight year not being able to use my body and like all these things that just built up momentum, like everyone loving you, every everyone being on the train and hopping on and, you know, every day seeing all the love and mm. all the different lights, and, oh man, highlights and on a podcast every other day, uh, you know, you feel important and then you lose a few fights and all of a sudden everyone's all right forget about them it's trash it's this you know and like and you can't even um you know before i'll go yo watch me i'll show you you know i'll take this as a challenge uh couldn't even do that because my hand is in a cast Mm -hmm. and and then i'm i'll do something crazy and take a risk well no money in the bank account i flew back to thailand i had a cast on my hand i had everything I owned in my bags. I, I had a return flight ticket. So I like to do this for fights, like, uh, pretty much abandon, like, like burn my ships, right? Like get to the Island, burn the ships. Like there's there's only one thing that I can do is succeed. And that's what I did. Like training for a chip for the world title. I, I moved to California. I slept on a couch for, for a month. I spent just as much money as I made on the fight. Um, then after that fight, I booked a flight to Thailand to to move back again, not to get comfortable. Right. And uh, I bet on myself, meaning the winning money is what would have been what sustains me in Thailand. Is if I won the the winning money and the bonus. Right. Well, the bonus never came, <laughs> and but I still had my ticket to Thailand and my bags packed, so my ass is. After, Especially after that Glory fight, my ass is in a cast with $300 in my bank account to get an apartment, to feed myself, and to pretty much live for the next month. uh, Because it takes a month for Glory to pay you. Right, yes. (laughs) Um, So I have $300 left in my bank account because I bet on myself. And all I have to me is I, I can't prove anyone wrong. I got a cast on my hand. I'm on a four fight losing streak and, and I got no money in the bank. So what do I do here? You know, like that, that was the lowest, lowest, low. I have, I have videos somewhere where I'm just talking to the camera and right. just letting it out. I, I I'll pull those up one day, but <laughs> to, re, to remind myself that, you know, I didn't stop. That was the, that was the lowest low I've ever, ever had. Because it just went from this, like, like skyrocket up to, like, Yeah, the cliff, the drop, yeah. Oh, man, what a drop, man. And, uh yeah, my girlfriend was still in the States, so I was by myself in an apartment. Just, yeah, <laughs> just in an apartment for a month, just with my thoughts and my brain, filtrating through how much I hate myself for for an entire month, just being self-destructive. So how did you turn that
1: around and and what did you learn there? I kept rocking.
0: Uh, (laughs) Literally there was, uh, I was hopeless. I was helpless. I I didn't feel good about myself. I I didn't feel good about myself uh, for a long time after, even when I got back in the ring and I won, I still felt like, like it was, uh, like it was fake. I I felt like a, you know, they, they talk about that imposter, imposter syndrome. Yeah. Uh, I never understood it until like, now that I look back at it, I'm like, Oh, that's what I was going through. I think is mm. now that I'm on the other side, I bounced back. It's so much easier to look at like what was going on, you know, mm. uh, rather than when you're like in the shit to, 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 to open up your eyes and, and then take a whiff and smell it. <laughs> it, it was me, uh, I go, okay, I'm going to keep on rocking. I created like a Patreon page. I started doing more technique breakdowns and like, since I couldn't do much with my body, I was doing a lot more break, like, uh, studying and breakdowns. I started to study videography more. I bought a course. I started to just look at like, how can I get better at things that I don't need my hand for. And then I got in the gym, I started working on my jab, uh, I broke my power hand uh, right. when I dropped my opponent and I kept hitting with this broken hand. So that double-edged sword of being tough is I kept hitting with the broken hand and uh, the, the bone splintered, like it's it split yeah. in, it, inside my hand, th- this one right here. Right. And uh, I kept rocking, kept showing up to the gym. You know, wasn't wasn't missing any weeks wasn't missing too many sessions I just had a cast on my hand and yeah. i was i I have like video breakdowns of like how to spar with one hand in yeah. inside the patreon <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh and i didn't feel good i was but I was doing it anyways just because I felt like I need to do something that makes me feel like worthwhile it's like what they say you know like if you're an addict you can't get out of bed you can't like man, just just do your bed. Just yeah. just fold the bed, you know, fold the sheets to get a little bit of order in your life. And that's what going to the gym was. I mean, it was bullshit. And then for a year, I paid with like bad patterns, like mm. pulling back my left hand because I had a cast on and I was still yeah. in the gym shadowboxing. So it's like I built bad habits, but mentally it was, it was something I had to do. And and then by the time it healed, I ended up fighting I still didn't trust my hand. I caught Cole. I fought Kola Benchamak. My first fight, my, my coach tricked me into it. I told him I need, I'm like, listen, I've been fighting world champions and on top promotions in the world, back to back to back. I'm like, I just need something that makes me feel like I'm worth it or that I'm here. Like they keep giving me these challenges for me to be like, fuck you. I can overcome this. And, uh, being a b fighter like if you do boxing you know what mm. being on the b side is right like you're supposed to lose and for me to c- come and win so you're like oh yeah yeah, yeah. They, it's, it, they they switch the opponent it's it's not the benchamic fighter from bokhal's gym it's this guy and a blah, blah, blah. Mm. and and then i'm i'm sitting at chiang mai stadium and and i'm looking under the stands and i just see these quads that are like, <laughs> like if, if you wanted the anatomy dummy, it was right there. The twelve pack, and ties aren't diesel like that. Like, no. I, not to say bookhouse on anything, but for <laughs> him to get to to get his traps that big and for him to get that shredded at an older age is, is questionable. So maybe it's going in, I'm not saying anything again. <laughs> Observations. Yeah. There's a very strong looking fighter. All right. And mm-hmm. I remember being in the fight and literally saying to myself in my brain, when I hit things being like, Oh, wow, that worked. There's no way that's going to work again. And then like hitting a low, like uh, all right, here it goes because we're like feeling each other. I'm like, I gotta do something. All right, here it goes. Pop, ba boom, and then it lands. I go that I just got lucky. He let me. Like, you know, it's round round one and two. His a strong TIE fighter, his he's just letting me kind of work, you know. Like, that's literally the things I was saying in my head. Right. Just like, this is bullshit. <laughs> outwardly it was completely different how you said like you know in your brain different things are going on Mm.
1: uh
0: but inside that's what i was telling myself i i remember it clear as day and and then i hit a hand trap into a neck so i hit an elbow that we worked on in training like uh blocking the hook coming in with the elbow i go oh wow like coach taught me that it worked (laughs) cool and like that got a little excitement in me it was just exciting to to land someone We've been working on the entire training camp. And then I landed a uh, pulling down the hand and, and neck kick. Right. And then it slapped really loud. And I can see it wobbled. It wobbled him. I go, oh, I can win. It, it just, <laughs> it flashed in my head that there's an option that I can win again. After losing four fights straight, it was almost like, I just was like, oh, this is like, this game is... Like I'm not supposed to win anymore. Like it, it's just game over type of deal, mm-hmm. but I'm in here. I need to do this to like, I don't know for what reason. Like I just gotta keep going and, and forcing myself into it because sitting at home ain't gonna change shit. I have to put myself back in there and, and take a risk again. Like that's how I got here in the first place by taking risks. And I hit that head kick and then it, something flashed and I was like, oh, I can win this fight. I did another hand trap this time to an elbow and I knocked him out. Nice. Wow. <laughs> okay. And it gave me a little bit to be like, to keep going and go for another fight. But honestly for another six fights or so, it was the same exact thing over and over again. Me thinking like, all right, I, I caught that lucky shot. It hurt him, And then I, I, I had a good finish. It ain't going to happen again. And it ain't going to happen again. And like, after like six fights and then winning, I was like, okay. Like there's not six mistakes in a row, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like we're, we're, we're kind of on a roll again. And, and then just believing in myself. And honestly, it was also, um, people were like reconfirming it for me. Like, you know, I was like, I was fighting low, uh, competition was hard, but it wasn't, world famous you know like mm. it was in the fights before i feel like it's really hard for guys to like go from the limelight to something that's like a tier below and mm. and to feel satisfied from it but you know i was i was fighting at that level six months uh seven months into being a professional yeah so i i had a lot to learn i had a lot to figure out and I don't know, at some point throughout the process, like there's never a specific day. That's why when I say like like, keys of a champion is to surrender to the process. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I did. I surrendered to the process. Like, listen, I don't feel good about myself. Nothing feels right. Um, You know, my left hand, I'm pulling it back. My technique looks worse than it did before. Like I'm not getting better, but I have to surrender myself to a process and trust it that at like, once I get out of this and I get over this hump, something will happen again and, and, and things will click, you know, fast forward two years last year, I fought before COVID hit. I fought 13 times in 13 months. Yeah. And, and I lost one split decision again in glory, which didn't feel good, but like, I got to walk away uh, from it. Uh, Say I, I lost it on a, I'll say it out loud because there's video footage of it. It's <laughs> like a fake low blow. I got a point taken away and then it was a split decision uh, his yeah. way. And uh, yeah, you, you can watch that one as well. It's Glory <laughs> Chicago, uh, Taylor Crawl, Paul Binashek. Um, again, you got to learn from those things. It's like, okay, like I gave him leeway in this or, they, you know, these are the things I could have changed. These are the things I could have done better. And 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 then the fight after that was a lot better and the fight after that got a lot better and then to force myself through that like i did the opposite like like i was fighting just a few times a year and i couldn't like develop all these different tricks like i knew i had to get better but fighting at that top level twice a year it wasn't the same as me going you know what my challenge this year is to do 12 months 12 fights yeah and some you know some months couldn't get a matchup or whatever so we double up Right. Do do a fight one weekend and then fight again the next weekend to make up for the month that we didn't get. So that's the same thing. Like you you see failure, like, oh, you don't go to the gym today? Cool. Punish yourself the next day and do the extra work. Uh, You know, my girlfriend, you need to give her love to like, I I say punish. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, she she, she needs just some extra love.
1: (laughs) It's about building that momentum, isn't it? And it's you you kind of um you're you casting votes for who you think you really are each time you do that stuff. And if they say if you if you if you can get training when you don't really want to and you manage to do it, you've you've succeeded again. Um and if yeah. you have to miss training but you've managed to make it up, you you manage to uh to cast that vote again for for who you really want to be. Um and it sounds like that's the the kind of direction that, that kind of all gradually tiptoed back towards again until there was that sort of self-belief again. And then then it starts to work. Uh, that sort of learning curve with all of that, how has that tra- changed your fight preparation from
0: you know when you first started until what you do now? It's hard because uh, I, I've switched gyms. So like if, if you have certain experiences and you're in the same gym, you can speak upon those experiences and those people that were there for it are able to be like, yeah, I remember when that happened. Let's try to change this. You know, uh, being at a new gym, you don't get to really speak up on it. Uh, people almost like you start fresh every single time. Yeah. <laughs> you got to prove you're tough. You got to prove this. You got to prove that. You know, like, like that you can do the workload. So um, when I was in Chiang Mai, it, it was like that. Like where, like we were together for a long time. They didn't get to see the injuries, but they saw me come in with the cast and go to the into the gym and then fight that many fights in a row. So we we got in a good flow. And I was able to have a say in like, okay, I'll do strength conditioning on these days and really focus in on rehab and preventing these things from happening again and Making my body strong, bullet—that's how I call it—is just bulletproofing the body. Like the second that I don't do the strength and conditioning work and and connect my body, and 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 protect these joints, things start to pop up right away. Like these these injuries have made me a better fighter. These injuries have made me more flexible, more mobile. I do yoga twice a week. I do rehab work every week. I have a Tim Tam. I have rubber bands in my in my bag I have a foam roller and a ball at home I I got all this stuff and the second that I start to like not be consistent with it things pop right back up to remind me that listen you can go right back to square one if you want so sometimes I I I just have to let go of my ego and trying to be the toughest guy in the room to say (sighs) shit hurts you know (laughs) um And, and I need to do the strengthening and it's not like I want to take the session off. I I just want, instead of like replace the session with something that I can do that is still beneficial, but that doesn't further injure me. And, um, being here, it's been a pretty good balance when it comes to that, um, you know, having like foreign owners uh, to be able to like speak to in English and and to translate some of those things, yeah. And them having some of those experiences is is a lot easier than when I was in a Thai-owned gym with like old-school Thai legend, yeah, training you that way. Then you literally have zero zero communication, zero say. Like you can be perfect for like months at a time. So we had gay, you know, the mm-hmm. his the infamous trainer that just bodies everyone as he teaches them he trained me for one of my fights it was the most stressful hand wrapping i've ever had in my life like (laughs) i couldn't buy buy about to music because he would like slap me on the head if i like looked any other way but like (laughs) paying attention to where i flip my hand for him things like that right uh (laughs) getting off on a tangent (laughs) uh (laughs) not being able to speak up on it. Like, like you can do everything perfect for five months. And then uh, sometimes, you know, like you just go, listen, I can't anymore. Like today is just so bad. Like I remember like sweating out fevers because of staff infections and then uh, just them forcing me to put on like an ankle guard around the staff right. and then still clinch. I'm like, fuck man, I don't want to spread this shit <laughs> to, to other people. But Uh, that's for them to worry about. All right, coach. Mm -hmm. All right. whatever you say, coach, whatever you say, coach, and, and, you know, you can't question it. And then at the end of the day, like once it got really bad, I had to go to the hospital and get a cut out of my knee. They had to go with a scalpel, put me on the table. Um, no numbing, no pills, nothing, just literally scalpel cutting my knee and pulling out like green and yellow Like, and then my, there was a hole in my knee that they, you know, had the stuff with bandages and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, you can take one session off this week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And back to running, like after one session off, back to running with, with tape inside my knee, (laughs) like literally in a black hole. Uh, so just forcing myself to be like, okay, like I'm not invincible I can let go of my ego and like, instead of trying to rub it and please it and make others happy. uh, I need, I need to do that. You know, I think it's really important for guys to challenge themselves in that way. I think some, some people, especially now uh, like expect something for nothing. So it's important to put yourself through that. Like I I try to have these reminders because just because I have like bad experiences doing certain things doesn't mean I didn't get growth from it. And it also doesn't mean that like you, you should shy away from it because I feel like people like they hear everyone's experiences and then they just are fearful or they shy away from all those challenges altogether. And then they never have like their moment of growth, you know, but you, you, you want to have those things. Yeah. You, you want those challenges is just don't, also learn from other people's mistakes, like like myself, like not being able to speak up, like when it's kind of detrimental to your health. Yeah, it's sometimes hard to do that, isn't it? Like you say, it's my biggest fear. My biggest fear is disappointing uh, somebody that I want to respect me. You know, like like I, I really cared about, and I'm like, no, I really cared about him as my teacher, and I was really proud to be. A sponsor fighter under him and being the only foreign sponsor fighter right i i I wanted for him to be proud so i i would have rather <laughs> destroyed my knee and destroyed these things and 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 then ended up fighting three times in five weeks with injuries and a purple shin uh rather than having him be disappointed in me you know like uh a friend of mine ended up training there uh, maybe like six months later. And I remember he took one session off between <laughs> uh, like between fights and an extra session. And he came into his room and he woke him up mom. He's like, oh, you're not in training today. And he's was like, no, I was like, I really disappointed in you. And he <laughs> just walked away. And he was like, dude, like, I was heartbroken for like two months after that. I was like, I swear to God, I was heartbroken for like two months. Mm -hmm. And uh, and he he went back in at the end of the whole meeting and like, did Paul tell you I used to kill him? (laughs) 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 So yeah, it's a, it's a really hard balance, especially when you uh, really respect someone. But uh, I I think, especially as you grow up, like things, you have more responsibilities. You got to think about like the overall picture, the whole landscape. Yeah.
1: You got, you got to balance all that stuff up. And it's hard when you feel someone's invested a lot of time in you and you don't want to let them down. It's uh it's, it's a good trait to have, but um, yeah, you gotta be careful. You gotta be careful. Yeah. Well, yeah. finally, finally, Paul, um, you know, if you were to give just one piece of advice to help someone who wants to be as great as they can be, what would that be?
0: don't sell yourself short be open to learning taking critique and giving love but at the same time just not being a sucker to it so just finding the nuances and the in that fine balance of you know not being taken advantage of but also seeing value in yourself and and that applies to everything is you know like whether you're in a relationship whether you're at work doing a certain project that you feel like, you know, like you you need to get more value from and, and others aren't seeing in you, then knowing that you can grow, but keep keep, keep that value and that self-respect intact uh, just because, you know, there's some things wrong or certain things can be better and can be further perfected. Doesn't take away from the fact that you have something to offer and that is valuable. Love it, thank you, Paul. And you know, we'll
1: we'll end things up there. You've been really generous with your time, mate. Appreciate that. Of course. And and best of luck with all your adventures in Phuket and beyond. Because I'm sure you know, still still just
0: rolling, aren't you? Yeah, it's been a complete pleasure, man. It was a. Uh, Really good chatting and, and almost uh, venting in a way as well. It was it's a, it was a good therapeutic episode and podcast for sure. You can find out more
1: about Paul and keep up with his adventures at Muay Thai Technician on Instagram. And check out his blog and online striking academy at Technician.com forward slash striking academy. You'll find links to these with this episode. And if you found this valuable, please like, subscribe and share with someone else that they could help too and give me a podcast review or a comment. I'd love to hear from you. I'll catch you next time.